to living our spiritual spirituality now. So we're in that 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 last uh, of our series, living it. Um, I had heard or read it was seen as practices of prayer and practices of care. And I just liked that. It's prayer and care. It's not one or the other. It's a way of life where we go from here. But it always starts at that, that hearts. It springs from our heart's core. You know, the first week we talked uh, a little bit about Advent and Mary's yes. And Mary said yes, uh, not knowing every step of the way. And that's what we're invited we're invited to do. We can say yes now. She listened. She pondered. She even asked a clarifying question when she said, how can this be since I have no relations with a man? The angel answered and said, be not afraid. So that's, she trusted and that's what we're called to do. We can do the same. You know, as we think about, as we're getting closer to Christmas time, uh, another thing I read I just loved, it's every yes to God's call is an incarnation of Jesus Christ. Every yes to his call is an incarnation. He takes on flesh in our lives, in our love, and in our service. Christ enters the world again and again through our acts. So that's what I will call you all to and myself. (laughs) So I'd say let's live as we want to live. Let's live as we want to live. So I see Father Dan here. (laughs) Father Dan shared a little verse with me the other morning, right in early Sunday morning at Manunitas. And I'd love to share that, Father Dan, if that's okay with you because it really speaks to me about what we're talking about today. Prayer is sitting in the silence until it silences us. Choosing a gratitude until we are grateful. And praising God until we ourselves are an act of praise. It's just so perfect. Prayer is sitting in the silence until it silences us, choosing gratitude until we are grateful, and praising God until we ourselves are an act of praise. We want to live as we want. We live as we want to live. We become what we want to become. So that's what our life is. It's practicing, practicing those things. So then we say, well, how do I do that? Where do I begin? You know, God gives us so many graces and our charisms. Um, They are a spiritual gift that each of us has. In the Ephesians, uh, St. Paul says, in order to perfect the saints for a work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. It's in order to perfect the saints for a work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The Lord gives us that. And our charisms. So along with our charisms, though, we have our different temperaments, our different personalities. Each one of us here has a different temperament and personality. 
But I think that's so beautiful. That's a tapestry that God shows his awesome creativity, that we are all different, and we all have those different gifts to be used in on all those different ways. But I'm going to also talk about a little bit about the saints and their temperaments. And maybe we'll even recognize some of our own temperaments um, in what I have to say here. So there are four temperaments, and um, I'll quickly go through them. And um, each one has their struggles and strengths, and then we can ask for graces to overcome some of those struggles. So I'll quickly go through those. There are those who struggle with anger and pride and impatience. They might need to ask God's grace to cultivate gentleness, humility, and patience. The strengths of those with those qualities or traits, they usually have a strong will, great constancy and energy for carrying out tasks. Some saints that have that temperament, which is called choleric, St. Paul, St. Jerome, St. Ignatius of Loyola, and St. Francis de Sales. So I throw that at you. If you see yourself in any of those, you're in good company. <laughs> Then there are those uh, of a temperament that's uh, characterized as melancholic. They might struggle with being critical, fear of failure, being a perfectionist, being timid. They might ask for God's grace to cultivate acceptance, selflessness, and hope and joy. Their strengths, though, that they're compassionate and contemplative and pious. And they're in good company as well. St. John the Apostle, St. Benedict, St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, St. Aloysius Gonzaga, St. Francis of Assisi. And St. Francis of Assisi also shared another temperament as well. And that would be the sanguine, which is those who might struggle with superficiality. Lack of perseverance. They might ask for God's grace for interior depth and strength, perseverance. And they're usually cheerful, though, and generous and sincere and sensitive to the suffering of others. Again, if you find yourself in any of those qualities, you're in good company as well. St. Peter, St. Augustine, St. Teresa of Avila. St. Rose of Lima, St. Francis Xavier. And last but not least are those who might struggle with an inability to confront or take initiative. They may try to please others. They might ask for God's grace of fortitude, ambition, and strength. But on the other hand, they're tranquil, could be seen as having full of common sense, great care and perseverance, and almost immune to anger. So isn't that interesting? Some are prone to anger and some are immune to anger. Some phlegmatic saints are St. Thomas Aquinas, Pope St. John Twenty-Third, and uh, St. Augustine there as well. So do you see yourself in any of these or in a combination? I'm actually in a combination. <laughs> 
and we can see ourselves in a lot of them probably, but we're in good company and that's, you know, um, I hope that that's what you see. We're in good company. It's not to put us in a box, not at all. It's honestly to um, help us to be more aware, be aware. For me, it gave me kind of, gave me hope. <laughs> um, so Jesus is the only one that had the perfect combination of all of them. So we're all in good company. But what does this have to do with the spiritual life, you might ask? This awareness helps us not stay stagnant. It helps us grow in our spiritual life to ask for the graces we need. So um, some ways, and for me especially, you know, it can help us stretch ourselves. Knowing ourselves in that way, that self-knowledge, can help stress, stretch ourselves. The fact that I'm standing here <laughs> has stretched me. It's a grace I asked for by being aware of some of the things I struggle with. We can be more compassionate to others by knowing that we're all different. Maybe it would give us a little more patience in our ministries and dealing with people at the grocery store. And it just helps us remember our uniqueness. Celebrate it. And avoid comparing yourselves with others. So often we say, oh, I'm not holy enough, or that person's so much better. They can do this, I can't do that. That's all good. That's okay. We all have those different temperaments. So now we'll go into how the saints have used their temperaments for their ministries, for their good, and for all of our good. Um, as I reflect on them, you know, I, I was just really reminded that we don't really choose a spiritual path, though. Uh, we more discover paths when we are sitting in prayer and in our just living our life, we discover the path to follow. So I'm going to um, highlight three saints and their orders that they founded, and then Chris will take it from there with a couple others. The first one is, um, there are so many orders, number one. <laughs> We're only going to highlight a couple. Uh, we, we invite you to do lots more research. The first is St. Benedict, who founded uh, the Benedict, Benedictine Order. Do we have any Bed Benedictines in the room today? Okay, so they're the oldest of the spiritual communities. St. <coughs> Benedict was known as the melancholic. He was the one that kind of struggled with being critical and fear of failure. Um, but he was also compassionate and pious and contemplative. So in his late teens, he was sent to study in Rome, but he, he just wasn't happy there. He knew something was up. Something did not feel right. So he kind of listened to that and found solitude 40 miles away from Rome in a wild gorge, living in a cave. <laughs> and he just, he just uh, had the hermit life. He devoted himself to prayer. But then, like-minded individuals discovered him and sought him out, and, they, uh, and he taught them to worship God, but to also live in community rather than in solitude. Uh, this sense of community was to become one of the essential principles of the Benedictine order. 
Uh, he developed a rule, which many other communities have since gone on to develop rules as well. And it pretty much um, adopts and organizes a monastic day. It's periods of prayer, communal and private, sleep, spiritual reading, manual labor, and lots more. Those who are familiar with St. Gertrude's in Cottonwood, that's Benedictine, and Mount Angel Seminary over in Oregon, if anyone's been there, that's Benedictine. I love how St. Benedict said, the Lord is received and adored in the guests. So they are also very known for their hospitality, which we do see at St. Gertrude's. So other notable saints um, in that Benedictine order were St. Scholastica, St. Gregory the Great, and Thomas Merton. So anyway, Benedict listened to his pious and contemplative nature, and he obviously avoided um, and prayed for the graces to avoid the fear of failure. The next one is that I'll touch on is St. Francis of Assisi, who founded the Franciscans. So they were founded in the early 13th um, century. Uh, and uh, St. Francis of Assisi, who was part of the uh, two, two different temperaments, lack of perseverance, struggle with superficiality, but he was very sincere, compassionate, and aware of the suffering of others, as we all know. So he tried to be a merchant like his father dreamed him to be, uh, but in his early 20s, again, he listened to, this is, doesn't feel right, um, and he just really sought out a different life. He thought, maybe I'll be a knight, <laughs> but again, decided that was not fulfilling his life. He thought about becoming a hermit, but decided that living alone, not like St. Benedict, <laughs> you know, that wasn't, that wasn't filling him up either. He was very confused, uncertain, but then um, knew that he did not want to attach himself to the things of this world. But I thought this was interesting. It was kind of like, wow, to talk about overcoming a fear. So he, uh, for example, he had a very deep fear, like many of the people in, in the Middle Ages, of leprosy. So he was repulsed by lepers and their disfigurement. So he decided to make himself kiss a leper on the lips because it's not what he, he wanted. He knew he did not want to do that. He feared them. He didn't like it. He decided, I'm going to face my fear. <laughs> and uh, that was an important step for him. And that's uh, the beginning of him rejecting his previous life and the life that his dad wanted for him. I, I was kind of giggling to myself. I said, wow, talk about kissing an old life goodbye. So he really, he really did that. But uh, the Franciscan spirituality founded by him and his love was the, the life of poverty. You know, he had a love of nature and doing charitable deeds. Um, he really, again, not being a hermit, he went out and preached. He used that gift. He followed his heart. 
So notable saints in the Franciscan order are St. Anthony of Padua, St. Maximilian Colby, St. Padre Pio, St. Clare of Assisi. The poor Clares are a branch, the religious uh, nun branch of the Franciscans. And last, I'm going to touch on uh, St. Teresa of Avila, who we've heard a lot over the last couple of weeks from me, uh, who helped not found, but reform the Carmelites. So actually, the Carmelites began in the 1200s um, on Mount Carmel in, in Israel. But in the 1500s, it was revitalized through St. Teresa of Avila. And um, so she was also a sanguine who suffered or struggled with superficiality. She was beautiful and witty, and she had lots of suitors, they say. But in her 20s, she desired uh, for a more religious monastic life. So she um, went into the order. Uh, while there, she got very sick and really discovered mental prayer. And as we had talked about before, that spending time with a friend whom we know love us. Then, though, she abandoned her prayer. She outward looked devout, but inward was in a dry, dark place. She begged God for strength. Begged, begged, begged God for strength. She, when she was in the world, she wanted God. When she was with God, she wanted the world. She, she was just in a very dark place. So Teresa later described her path of conversion, um, including, and I really liked this, learning to laugh at her faults, <laughs> while at the same time finding the loving hands of God. She knew God was there, and he was her constant and patient teacher. So we can all rely on that as well. Laugh at ourselves a little bit. So she was very instrumental in reviving the Catholic faith in the 15, 15, uh, 60s and 70s when the Protestant Reformation was going on. Uh, she reformed the Carmelites. Uh, so they're actually called the Discalced Car Carmelites now. They, they had gone astray. So she, along with St. Ignatius of Loyola, are two contemplative Spanish mystics, and Chris will talk about St. Ignatius here more. Um, they were the two most inf influential figures in the Counter-Reformation, and they serve as models for our spiritual transformation. So if you feel like you're struggling, you can look to them. So that spirituality, which we touched on quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, is really characterized by that interior detachment, that silence. Um, so you might look into that if you really want to focus more on your contemplative spiritual life uh, and your interior castle. Other no notable saints are St. Saint John of the Cross, whose feast day is today, and Sister Lucia of Fatima, St. Therese of Lisieux, and Edith Stein, who is St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Um, St. Teresa of Avila was also the first woman doctor of the church. So isn't it just so beautiful to see that these people who had different temperaments, uh, all different temperaments, 
all went on um, to transform their lives, to listen to God, and, uh, and God has worked through them. So those are my three, and then Chris is going to take it with a couple other th two, and then I'm going to come back and we'll talk a little bit more about how to live our faith in our everyday life. Yeah, and we're, uh, we're looking at a time crunch, so I'm going to get through these pretty quick, but I'm going to take a, a side trail here just for a moment. So I hope what Mary described there is this idea that these are real people in real times, real places, in the real world, right? Uh, and that's so important. We sometimes think of saints, they're inaccessible to us. And I would say the same of the Gospels. The Gospels aren't mythology, or I think I said one of the other things, it's not like reading Narnia or the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit or something, and then we read Scripture. That Those are real stories of real people, including our Lord who walked with us. And we always have to remember and put ourselves in that life because the spiritual life is gritty and real and sometimes difficult. So I, I just, I, I stalk, I Facebook stalk a, a deacon that's from the U.S., but lives in El Salvador, or not, he's in uh, Honduras now, but he used to spend a lot of time in El Salvador. He always does a really good job on martyrology, so he's always posting who passed away or what the big events of the church are, just in brief. So I, I love kind of stalking him. Anyway, oddly enough, yesterday, I think it was, he posted this picture in this little bio of this guy, Ateliano, I guess is his name, you can see a little picture, and he had a write-up of this this man who will never be listed as one of the saints, probably, or be in, you know, the Roman Missal on, in Eucharistic Prayer 1 is listed, or perhaps in any of the books we read. But just, you know, Jose, like Jose, Jose Ateliano Franco Arita was born on October 6, 1950, in the village of El Salvatore, uh, belonging to the municipality of Concepcion and Octopeque. Anyway, some El Salvador. He was a second of 12 brothers. And uh, from very young, he fell into the vice of alcohol. But in 1971, he received an invitation from a friend and decided to start the road to becoming a delegate of the word, which is sort of a Eucharistic minister in a sense, or really just uh, liturgy of the word person. Uh, anyway, in his hope that God would help him stop alcoholism. From the year 1975, he began his journey as a delegate of the word, from that moment, Jose was devoted to the service of the Catholic Church. The only strength this servant of God had was the faithfulness that he had promised to the creator of the universe for 15 years. This because God had helped him overcome the vice that hurt him for several years. During these, his years of delivery of service to God, Jose promoted water projects, uh, which are still there today, and dedicated himself to evangelizing in the villages of the entire community. Nothing will happen that God does not want to happen was one of his expressions that he said whenever he left his house under the sun or rain. For his evangelical commitment and to the social development projects in his community, he was murdered June 21st, 1990 in, in El Salvador. Um, just the idea that here's this guy living out his faith, uh, taking care of the poor, building water projects, and he will never be listed among the great ones, so to speak, the capital S saints, I suppose. Um, but I think he is a capital S saint, as can each of us be. So my uh, task was to talk a little bit about Ignatius and Mother Teresa. I'm going to, I'll keep it really short. So we know the story of Ignatius. Uh, and you know, he, was, he was from a, a wealthy family and adopted into an even wealthier family to become uh, part of the courtiers or whatever the, 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 the uh, uh, 
um, a soldier essentially, a ladies' man, uh, wealthy, that kind of aristocratic lifestyle, I guess. And then very young, he was, he was severely injured, took his leg out, a cannon blast, took his leg out and destroyed that life for him. So we have this St. Ignatius heading one direction in life, and the violence of war takes him in another direction. As he's laying there and he's trying to recoup, um, he has two books available to him. He asks for books. He only had, they only have two available, or only made two available anyway, who knows. But uh, one was the life of Christ, and one was the life of the saints. So as he, as he delves into these books, as he investigates the lives of the saints, the lives, lives of life of our Lord, uh, he begins to compare and contrast and, and uh, that life to his own life. I'll read a quick passage I found interesting from one of the books on, on the exercises where this author, uh, what he says, I found interesting. For Ignatius, the content matter... So he goes on to he really a spiritual master, and most of the a lot of the religious orders even adopted some of his spiritual practices, the uh, the spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius. But it says for Saint Ignatius, this content matter, the content matter of that spiritual life, as he explores in the spiritual exercise, that content matter is primarily our own life experiences as seen in the light of life experiences of Jesus depicted in the Gospels. So this was the core of him as he converts. It's this idea of, of to live the spiritual life, to become one of the saints. It's to look at your own life and to measure it against or compare and contrast it with, in a sense, the life of Christ. And so he publishes these spiritual exercises um, and I'll read from this consciousness exam. I've got a few copies of this. I'll, we'll just fast forward to where he ends up then, uh, his life. And of course, he goes on to, form, to uh, found the Society of Jesus, the Companions of Jesus, who accomplished so, so, so much across the world. Uh, in, in a very short period of time. I'm trying to see where this citation was. Sorry about that, I thought I had it marked. There is a great, that's a great, so what Steve just, uh, there's a great movie to talk about his life unformed. Oh, this is ridiculous. Hang on. So here's, here's just a summary of his life in a way. This is a, a Jesuit, a George Ashenbrenner, writing, I think the original article was back in 1972. It's about the examine, one of the elements of the spiritual exercises that examine of reflecting. Mary will talk about it. For Ignatius, finding God in all things is what life is all about. Near the end of his life, he said that whenever he wished, at whatever hour, he could find God. This is the mature Ignatius who had so f fully allowed God to possess every ounce of his being through a clear, abandoning yes that radiated from the very core of his being, that he could be conscious at any moment he wanted, to, at any moment he wanted of a deep peace, joy, and contentment, which was the experience of God at the center of his heart. 
Ignatius's identity at this point in his life was quite fully and clearly in Christ, as St. Paul says, for now my place is in him and I am not dependent upon any of the self-achieved righteousness of the law. Ignatius knew and was his true self in Christ. So just St. Ignatius becomes this just wonderful example of this person that is completely embedded in the things of this life, suffers terribly, uh, but then in that reflection of Jesus and the life of Christ, the life of the saints, finds himself and eventually comes back to Christ. In the meantime, living out that life, uh, he, he starts the Jesuits, and as I said, I used to know all the data behind this, but just inc- incredible accomplishments in universities and etc. all around the world within a very short period of time. So it didn't take long. Mother Teresa is the same beautiful life uh, that I won't talk about in too much detail. So there were two elements I wanted to highlight of Mother Teresa. One is her motto, the motto of the missionaries of charity became I thirst. And she had this deep contemplative stare that she had at Christ crucified and the words that he utters to us, I thirst. And that becomes for her, him saying, expressing his thirst for souls and him expressing the fact that we thirst for him. And it's this mutuality of thirst between God and us that brings us into into unity with him. And through that unity with Christ in his poverty on the cross and his thirst for us, we begin to develop this compassion, a compassion that leads us to love, a love that is overflowing and that gets expressed through her in the poor. And for her, encountering uh, the dying person in the streets and holding them in her arms, perhaps like kissing the leper talked about earlier, that's where she's not only offering charity to this individual, showing love so that they can die loved because they haven't lived loved, so they can die loved, that's her way of joining into the Trinity, in a sense, into that one love that is God. So she's expressing love and compassion with this individual who I'm sure expresses it back as they're dying. But it's not just the two of them, is it? It brings in that transcendent third that is God, and, and that's, that's the kingdom right there in that moment as she cared for the poor. So for her, her whole life was invested in this concept of I thirst, and living that out in the poor. Now, she suffered greatly uh, uh, dryness in, in her spiritual life. We read about that now. She only had two experiences, I think, one early and one later, that uh, where she felt that infused love of God. And that, that carried her through an entire life of caring for the, the dying and caring for the destitute. Um, so that's Mother Teresa in a nutshell. And, of course, she the missionaries of charity that carry on her work to this day. Um, and, and those are things I think about a lot in her. I'll give it back to Mary. Okay, and you know me, I'm the, the practical one. <laughs> Coming with all the, what, what, now what do we do with all this? Um, but I hope by just touching on the, the saints, the capital S saints, you see that they were ordinary people. Um, they, you know, we're no longer just these passive recipients of God's grace, but we are, we're, we're co-workers. We're co-workers in the vineyard. 
and um, and that's each and every one of us, us, us little less saints. So um, so what do we do? What do we do? What, where do we go from here when we experience that spiritual dryness, like Mother Teresa and like all the saints really have done at one point or another? And we know that we're going to go there too. So what do we do? It's pretty simple. Let's begin again. Just begin again. And from week one, when we talked about desire, if you have the desire, God knows your heart. You're already, you're already on the right road. St. John of the Cross, whose feast day is today, I love what he said. On this road, we must always keep walking if we are to arrive. We must always keep walking if we are to arrive. So persevere, begin again. Live as close to the Eucharist as you can. Go to Mass. Go to daily Mass if you can. Go to adoration. I put on your tables um, Father's Next Talk, which starts January 4th, and that's uh, with the year of the Eucharist. He'll really delve into that. But just live close to the Eucharist. Consider different. <laughs> you know, sometimes our discomfort or dryness or whatever you want to call it, discouragement, is God calling you into something different. It might be a different prayer form. It might be um, adding music or art or um, some new expression, a new form of service. When you start feeling that dryness and discouragement, think that God is asking you or calling you to something different or more or to go deeper. When you just get up in the morning and say, oh, I just, I just can't do it today. I can't have my prayer time or whatever. You know, maybe you were being too hard on yourself. Maybe you were shooting for an hour or two hours. Don't, don't do it. Shoot for five or ten minutes. Just do something. <laughs> Spend that time with God. He has his arms open for you. He wants you there. Um, just be faithful. Uh, make every effort to live each moment with a gentle and joyful spirit. As I talked about earlier, live as you want to live. And I can't help but say again, begin again. Don't be discouraged. Um, I just heard on a podcast, uh, persistence. What persistence comes from uh, a Greek word, which means Shameless refusal to quit. <clears throat> I love that. Shameless refusal to quit. That's, what I, that's my suggestion for you. Begin again. Um, something else that can hold us accountable is, uh, not even accountable, but it, it's almost, it's like it's a check-in. And we've talked about it over the last several weeks, and Chris just touched on it, is the examine prayer. Um, which comes to us from St. Ignatius. And, it's, and, and you could do any kind of an examination of, com, um, of conscience, 
But this is just a simple, beautiful time for a check-in at the end of your day, or you could even do it in your morning prayer and, and review your, your day prior. But it's something that even um, the Jesuits, I believe, uh, say if you do nothing, you, you are required to do it once or twice a day, I believe. But um, we will have the examination, <coughs> a little sample card for you um, in the back as you leave. But essentially, the examine, it has you just review your day. Simply review your day, and it, it's very, um, there's steps that you can follow. And it's, the first is asking uh, God for light. Look over your day. Remind yourself just in quiet that you are in the presence of God. It's not a time for brooding. It's just time to be in the presence of God. And then you give thanks. You give thanks for your day. Think about one thing throughout your day, at least, that you could be thankful for. It could be a kind word from a friend. It could be um, date night with your spouse. It could be simply getting up. I got up this morning when I just didn't have, didn't have it in me. Then review your day. Relive the uh, significant moments. And linger in them. Linger in the significant moments. Kind of gloss over the ones that aren't so, aren't so significant. And continue to be thankful and grateful. Uh, praising God for those beautiful moments. Then ask yourself, kind of focus like on some struggles or shortcomings or challenges of that day. Where could I have done something different? You know, could I, did I miss an opportunity to be kind and generous to someone in my words or my thoughts or my actions? Face those shortcomings. Ask God for forgiveness. Feel his mercy and his love. And then think about tomorrow. What would I do different tomorrow? For me, by doing this every night and by seeing little trends and things, it's funny, the things that I challenge with, I, I, I can, I'm more aware of them during the day. I'll stop short, like, um, or if, if I thought that there was a missed opportunity, I'll try harder the next day. I'm more intentional, so I invite you to do that. And there will be um, cards in the back. So thanks, Marilyn and Pam. We have a lot of resources for you to take on your way out. Um, the other thing I would suggest, and not everybody likes to do this, <laughs> is have a journal. Um, I never was a big journal person. <laughs> I am now. Uh, I, again, I write down what I'm grateful for each day because it's kind of funny. When you're having a down time, go through your journal. <laughs> and you see, oh, okay, there is, you know, there are graces. Notice trends. Notice trends in your journal, how you were feeling, things that you could um, ask for a specific grace on. Remember my little story last week, my tell-all? Yeah, no. 
there are times when I, I go down that road of, oh, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, I should have done this, I should have, should have, should have. It was always my default setting sometimes is I'm not enough, I don't do enough, and all that. You know, by writing that in your journal, you see that. And you go, oh my gosh, that's a, that's a trend. What do I do with that? I work on it, I pray about it. I'll go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. That's your other step. That is healing that I hope you will take advantage of. When you start seeing trends in your life, um, just, just go, to, go to confession. I can't say it enough. Um, rather than beat yourself up, sometimes I, <laughs> I'll go, oh my gosh, I'm saying the same sin over and over again. You know, you start to beat yourself up. I'm like, oh my goodness. But I just heard another one. Okay, take comfort in that. Because, isn't that great? You don't have a whole new set of sins. <laughs> you have one to work on. So you can, you can kind of twist that around. So I just thought that was kind of a good, good one. We can work on that sin. That's okay. Just be, show your contrition. Uh, the other things I would say as we leave here is just to take advantage of opportunities. And those might be going on pilgrimages, attend a retreat, um, seek spiritual counsel or guidance if you, if you just need a couple tips. Um, so if you're not taking advantage of a current opportunity, another one I would say, create an opportunity. And, um, and that would be like maybe an accountability partner or a spiritual friendship. And um, they can just be so helpful on your journey if you have a spiritual friend that you can share your highs and lows with, you feel safe, um, you can work on some goals, you can sit down with a spiritual friend and just say, you know, let's commit to 30 minutes of prayer each day. And then you come together and how did you do? You, you can have a check-in. You can commit to spiritual reading or whatever. But a spiritual friend um, would be a wonderful thing. You can have prayer groups, safe sharing friends, like I said. And this isn't necessarily a book or a Bible study. I'm not saying a Bible study. But, you know, there are so many beautiful books that are very spiritual that have, like, reflection questions that can really help you and a spiritual friend go deep. So I would say uh, create an opportunity. So God doesn't promise to give us everything, but ask for the Holy Spirit. He will give you the Holy Spirit to guide you. So um, with that in mind, do you want to talk resources together, or should I just? We do have a resource page that we printed in the back. Yeah. I think with the rest. Yeah. So several people have asked us, well, first off, what references we use. So um, on the back tables, there's lots of handouts. So there's our uh, references that we use, different books. But then on the other side are additional resources. Ugh, it's just stuff we, we thought of. So there are, I put them in categories of like prayer. You know, there's different apps for prayer. There are um, different subscriptions you can get. There's some, a lot of suggestions on prayer. Uh, there's resources for the year of the Eucharist. Um, I talked about temperament and personality some. 
Uh, there is a uh, handout on the back, Finding Your Spiritual Path. Again, please, I caution you, it's not to put you in a box. It's an invitation just to know yourself a little better and, um, and go from there in different forms of prayer. And then these will be posted on the website as well. Yes, so those who are listening on podcasts later will put in the, in the podcast notes where you can find them on the website, probably by the end of the week. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of resources on discovering your personality and temperament, again, for your awareness. And then I have in the last section is retreats and spiritual opportunities. So we've mentioned the spiritual exercises. They, over, they do that over in Spokane. We participated. I know several other people are participating now. Um, it's, it's like September to May. I encourage you to look into that. It was pretty life-changing for me, honestly. And then um, the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center has retreats. Look on their website from time to time. They also offer <clears throat> spiritual direction there as well. Monastery of St. Gertrude um, is another retreat place. And for those who really would like to pursue more spiritual direction, we don't have a lot here in town, but where I'm going to school is Lanteri Center for Ignatian Spirituality. It's in Denver, but they would offer to do online spiritual direction. So their website is on there as well. Um, I think that's it. Did I miss anything? I think we're good. We're running against time. The <gasps> last thing I would say, yeah, the Knights are here to move farther. Last thing I would say is, remember, we do have a number of ministries. So the Benedictine Oblates are going to go start meeting here again uh, in January. So Joan Genter, I forget who all, but the Benedictine Oblates is a prayer Bethany. group, the Charismatic Prayer Group that meets on Monday nights. Father Dan could give you more information on that. We have the Divine Mercy Group, I don't know, but uh, as well. Then on the uh, missions side of things, we have the health ministry that's beginning to develop. We have our food pantry and soup kitchen, our St. Vincent de Paul uh, group. So there are a lot of opportunities that as you, as you enter into that spiritual path, uh, you know, the exterior and interior life, the interior life of prayer and the exterior life of service, the love God, the love neighbor, that is one thing. It is one love. And so to participate fully in one means to participate fully in the other. And so we have to live this out loud. Um, I love St. James. I think in his epistle says something like the only real religion is to serve widows and orphans and et cetera. It's just a really strong statement about that has to be a component. Um, anyway, with that, I will just say a blessing, or did we have a prayer you I, wanted to I, offer? No, but I do want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your going um, and wanting to grow. And I want to say that this opportunity for me has helped me grow. So we are growing right along with you, and I want you to know that. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks. So glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, this is Father Len McMillan. I'd like to take a moment to thank you for listening to our podcast. If they've been a blessing to you, I'd also like to invite you to prayerfully discern supporting the podcast financially 
Your generosity would help support the ongoing production and distribution of the podcast. If you'd like to make a donation, you can simply click the link in the podcast description. Be sure to tell us your donation is for the podcast in the comments section of the submission form. Again, thank you for your support as we seek to share the good news of the gospel. May God bless you for your generosity.